Warriors on a half shell, they're on a mission. When there's a battle, got the enemy wishing that they stayed at home. Instead of fighting these ninja masters with moves like lightning, they were once normal, but now the mutants. Split is the teacher, so they are the students. Leonardo, Michelangelo, and Donatello make up the team with one other fellow, Raphael. He's the leader of the group, transformed from the norm by the nuclear goop. Pizza's the food that's sure to please. These ninjas are into pepperoni and cheese. I'm Griffin. I'm Molly. And we're going into the Superverse. Ready to talk about some heroes in a half shell? What? What is that bit? The turtle power. It's the song. What? Could you sing it? Heroes, heroes in a half shell. Turtle power. That's not the song that played at the no, end of this it's film. No, it's not. It's definitely not. Maybe I can, we'll just do a little clip of that as our beginning thing. <laughs> I could never hope to imitate that. Yeah, this week we're talking about not the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie that's in theaters at this exact moment. No, no, no. We had to go back we had to the to. OG. We had to. Because we'd never seen it, nope. embarrassingly, so. Yeah, uh, shockingly, honestly. I feel like... As two children of the mid-90s, some of us early to mid, Uh (laughs) Um, we fell like right in between the Ninja Turtle timeline. Mm -hmm. Like babies of the 80s got this movie in 1990. I I know that there's a show that was kind of happening, and then I think... Right after us, like the late 90s, early 2000s, there was like a second wave of Ninja Turtle power. Half shell, if you will. I agree. Second half of the shell. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I think you're on the money. Um, I know that... I mean, per usual. They've... Of course. I mean, the Ninja Turtles have been... They were first published in 84, which, you know, they were, they were doing the comics until the movie came out, which that's a pretty fast pipeline from the original comic to the movie adaptation. But I guess they really caught fire in the late 80s. Um, but, yeah, the whole, the franchise as a whole, I do think it was mostly popping off in the late 80s, early 90s when we were not born. <laughs> we were, like, the third movie in this series, that still might have come out, like, before... Either of us were alive. I'm not sure, though. Um, I thought it was, like, 1997. It might have been. It might have been. I'm going to look. No, TM, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 was 93. Wow. And then Great there, was, year. there was a TMNT in 2007 that looks horrifying. But that's kind of the second gen, I would say. Yeah. And then there were two more in 2014 Well, when was the TV show? Um, there was, like, a yeah. cartoon show. Yeah. Um, 87... To 96, Saturday okay. morning cartoon. Um, and then they would also, like, release, like... Because um, you know, I feel like I got tapes. a little bit of the TV show on, yeah. Like, sa- like, yeah, Saturday morning cartoons, ABC Kids. I feel like know. I remember seeing that, too. In between Recess and Lizzie McGuire. Classic. And the little X-Men sprinkled in there. Oh, amazing lineup. But anyway, all that to say, you're totally right. Um, I personally remember playing, I, we would go to Shadowland a lot. This is a laser tag place, um, mostly for my buddy Dylan's birthday. Like every year we'd go to Shadowland. 
uh, and aside from the actual laser tag, they notably had a little arcade set up outside. And among other games, they had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time, which is a real classic, like, side-scroller. And we played the shit out of Turtles in Time. I was really bad at it, but it was very fun. And I feel like that was, like, my main exposure to this franchise. I feel like a bigger turtle in my life at this time was Franklin the Turtle. Same here, to be honest. A A looming figure, really. Looming. (laughs) So threatening. An imposing (laughs) figure on our childhood. Um, How much do you think this movie was inspired by Howard the Duck? Uh, Significantly. It felt like they maybe just reused the set. Yeah. I I genuinely think they might have. Took the idea of having the costume and like upgraded it. Yeah. I think you're right. Um, because obviously Howard the Duck was breaking new ground for for comic adaptations. And it it's like on one hand, I do think it's really similar to Howard the Duck, but then it also just like bleeds like that eighties New York. Uh, feel that but was both of so, them did. I would oh, say. well, they definitely did. I think this was this was somehow well, not somehow. This was less goofy than Howard the Duck, despite yeah. having like it's it, no, actually no. Howard the Duck is in every way more outlandish, even in the times when it like I was mean, trying to feel grounded. A duck is crazy. Turtles are totally normal. Yeah, turtles are they're chill. They are they're cowabunga. <laughs> Um, I do feel like the beginning of this movie and a little bit as we go forward feels like they might have clipped from an after school special. At what uh, what points specifically made you think after after school special? Well, the beginning is like all these like news article clips of like crime happening in this area and like bags are being stolen. There's no rhyme or reason, but we know that they're connected. And it's like basically like not even, like, hiding, but, like, loosely being, like, it's gangs. It's gang violence, and you need to be on, like, I mean, on high alert. I think that's just that's just how it was. I mean, I don't even know if it's... I agree that it's, like, after-school special, but also, it's just, like, the 80s. Like, I feel like it's, like, every movie that took place in the 80s was, like, crimes out of control, which it was. Like, 80s New York was, like, popping off. Um, yeah. But this is definitely like, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Uh, they're I don't know if it was little. like a ragtag teenage group. No, I don't think it was. Well, this was not ragtag. This was anything but ragtag. This was an organized organized crime wave led is that by the opposite a samurai of, assassin. Ragtag is, that, is like scraping together like little loosely formed group struggling to get by. This was, you know, they had a they had a system. They had an underground gambling den and arcade For and skate park. year olds. <laughs> Thanks, Sammy. Fucking sick. <laughs> yeah, uh, my first thought was like, is this movie just going to be about like the turtles just stopping like a pickpocketing ring? Like how how blasé? I didn't quite get like the full picture of like what the uh, what the whole goal was of the ninja group. Like I get that they were using. The 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 youths the, the, youth, the, the youths yeah to um like steal stuff probably get some money but then like what big picture what are we looking at I mean so I think it's like the Foot Clan is horrible uh they are horrible running name. this system so they can like basically recruit the teenagers is that, I just I just got you you just is, got it 
It's like a hand. It's, it's the hand. Yes. I not during the film did I once be like, well, that's a stupid fucking name, and then I didn't think anything more about it. <laughs> oh <laughs> lord, we just watched Electra too. Yeah, there's a lot of hand bullshit in that. Oh god. Yeah, okay. I mean, I get it now. That's funny. Good Teen- job. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is like. A, a parody of Daredevil from, like, the ground up, like, in every way. We needed some... Uh, offense or no offense, I don't know. We needed a Gen Xer sitting next to us the whole movie explaining all of the deep cut references. We should have asked our buddy Dave. <laughs> I needed an 80s baby to be there with us, being like, oh, well, this was really popular. Actually, you know who I really would have wanted? Sarah Marshall sitting with us watching this movie and explaining all of the references. I, I really... Sarah Marshall's a... Famous podcaster, one of the best. Yeah, we we would be honored to have her on. I uh, I wonder that's if really funny. her movie uh, podcast has done this. I hope so. I'm really glad that you uh, just like figured that out though, because I had like a note about the the daredevilness of it all that I was going to bring up later. But well, here I am in real time get- I mean, catching on. Yeah, we got the foot. We got Master Splinter is stick. We have. Uh, the radioactive material that gives them power, which is, you know, that's not exclusively Daredevil at all, but it when is. When did Daredevil get published? Um, well, Daredevil probably started fairly early-ish in the Marvel canon, but I'm guessing, like, didn't really catch on until much later. Uh, it first appeared in 1964, but Frank Miller, famous, famous comic writer and artist Frank Miller, did a lot of work on his series in the eighties. And that's when he like really got big. So this was kind of like a direct response to that. And Frank Miller was doing like a very serious daredevil. Um, like he did the, the run daredevil born again, which season three of the show is kind of based on. Well, and so like the daredevil that was like published books, like that wasn't in the newspaper or was it? Um, it was published books. I mean, it could have been in the newspaper, but, but like, it was Ninja like Ninja Turtles is like in the newspaper, right? It's like for kids. It's like Saturday comics or I don't, or Sunday comics. I, I mean, it could have been, but I think they were like getting like books published. Oh. Like it was like in the same in the same vein that like it's it could have like, been in it, but it would have been like next you know, to Peanuts or something. No, but I mean, it could have been in the same vein that like Spider Man was. Like there was a Spider Man newspaper comic, but it was totally separate from the books that were being published. I can't say for sure, but I do think it was, like... Because comic books were still all the rage in the 80s. I think they were selling those. Of course. By the issue. We saw Unbreakable. We did. And that was significantly later. Okay. Oh, the flashback, you mean. Duh. Of him being really into yeah. comics. <laughs> okay, well, we've got some foul language. <laughs> Damn. Damn. That's a, it's very funny to me that, like, I can name a couple of, like, children adjacent, at least, because this doesn't always feel like a children's movie to me. Like, this, this, it, it feels like a goofy, like, 80s action movie that happens to star turtles. But using damn like that is, like, such an easy way to try to make your thing more edgy. Like, I feel like you would have seen that in Little Rascals, but that's, like, supposed to be funny, mm-hmm. like... Because they're little, but they talk like adults. Yeah. Or the Goonies, you could have... I bet um, Josh Brolin said, like, shit or something. 
Well, and like one of the characters is definitely saying booby traps. Of course. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, it was just surprising because I feel like we grew up on a very like watered down children's media. I think there was a paradigm shift in the mid nineties because I think when like that, Disney took over. Yeah, and Disney. I. I kind of, in, in that way, I wish they hadn't. Like, I kind of, I like that there's, like, a little bit of, like, edginess there. It's It makes it feel less uh, squeaky clean, which like, I like. We would get edginess from, like, if Jim Carrey was in a children's movie, like, The Grinch. Like, that was a little on the edgy side. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I can't even really think of very many examples from... Like, the Master of Disguise had, like... I feel like we had more sexual stuff. Yeah. I mean, the 80s certainly had that, too. More, but there are still, like... Thinly veiled innuendo. Just, like, really short skirts, long legs. Yeah. A shot that goes from the feet up to the head. Yep. Um, good stuff, you guys. <laughs> really good work. I mean, I think I, I mentioned this when we were watching, but I was like, I've never even seen it. But the original Transformers animated movie that came out in 86 had that. They had, like, characters being like, shit. And someone being like, god damn it, like, what are we going to do now? And this was like, you know, it's Transformers. Like, it's still targeted to children, but it's still, yeah, they, they threw a little bit of that in there. And even later, one of my favorite examples is um, Shadow the Hedgehog, the spinoff of the Sonic franchise, starring Shadow, who is, like, you know, the edgy one, anti-hero, kind of Punisher-esque hedgehog type character sure and that's what everyone says throughout the whole the whole video game if you like fall if he dies he's like damn not here and that's but that's the only word that they like let him use so like every other sentence like where's those damn chaos emeralds and i remember playing that when i was a kid and i was like i mean so sick dude ron weasley says bloody hell yeah and that was that was a lot you guys (laughs) You know, it's, it's guard so, the ears. Yeah, plug them up. I just think it's so funny because, like, we watched this and then we watched True Lies right afterward, very different movies. And just, like, I, I was expecting this to be very saccharine. So the first thing that you hear Raphael, or is it Michelangelo? I can't remember. Which color? Raphael saying, damn. Yeah. I was like, oh. That's his little okay. catchphrase thing. Yeah. I just, I enjoyed that a lot. Yes, I was trying to keep track of who was who. I have a little guide in my notes. <laughs> Could have just waited until they, they do the introduction Yeah, but even later. then I'm, like, forgetting. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that Raphael, the red one, was, like, like leader, the star. Kind of, yeah. Well, I think Leonardo's the leader, Griff. Okay, well, that's He's, fair. like, holding them all together. Yes, but Raphael is like Raphael's like off on his own. Yeah. Like, he's going through he has the biggest character arc, you know? He's like the main he's like the main character in the story. Yeah. But I feel like in my opinion, Leonardo's like the leader, the team leader. Yeah. And then Donatello not non non turtle character. He's just hanging out. Barely in it. <laughs> Although I guess he's the one that hangs out in the truck. Yeah. And then Mikey just, like, fucks off. I don't know. I don't like that the orange and the red look really similar and the purple and the blue look really similar. Mm-hmm. Let's throw in a green. Let's throw in See, a white. Like, on, the, on the poster, a yellow. On the poster, it's so easy to tell. But when you're actually in the movie, 
it's a very darkly lit movie, so yeah, it gets it gets a little confusing. And I, but at some point, I was like, it doesn't really matter. I also thought there was a green one this whole time. They're all green. That's what you said, but I'm talking about their headbands. I know. Um, I also like it. the the title sequence of this movie is fantastic. Like the opening credits, I fucking love it. Um, the synths that they use, like the whole soundtrack, I'm like, yes. Can we bring some of this back, please? And like. Not ironically, just like give me some genuine like '80s goodness. Also, like you see, like you're like going through the sewers at the beginning. I see like there's like a rat, like a normal rat, and of course they play it up with like April being like I'm dreaming right now, and I saw that rat earlier, but I saw it. I was like that's Splinter. <laughs> I was like every rat is Master Splinter. Um, I didn't. I don't like rats. I don't, Me fuck with rats. I don't fuck with rats. Um, didn't really like the costume for Splinter. It was disgusting. See, I didn't. Splinter is kind of gross looking, but to me, like it's it, you know, it's so far off. He doesn't even look like a rat anymore. He doesn't so look doesn't. like a rat. I also thought I didn't realize obviously the whole Daredevil thing and like sticks. So I was like, what is this like weird Yoda that we're getting? <laughs> That's what it felt like was like a weird homage to Yoda, and I'm like, let's just. Let's just get Yoda in here. He's way cuter. Um, I, but I liked his storytelling. Yeah, great All, story every telling. scene where it like does like the theater lighting, and you just have like one person against a black backdrop like telling this story. I love that. And I, I also, I didn't really know. I knew Master Splinter was, you know, a guy. But I didn't know his like story that he was just like a pet rat who was also exposed to the to the radiation. I'm like, oh, this is fun. And he had learned the ways, you know. Of course. Which, you know, that's realistic. Rats rats are smart. Um, not, you know, but thankfully not too tactile or anything, because this would be horrifying in real life. <laughs> um we get the introduction of our two main human leads. Yes. Um, what's the guy's name? Casey Jones. Casey Jones, of course. Um, I really liked his introduction, and I thought there was a great cricket bit. Yes. Nobody I'm like, who's talking about cricket? You know, <laughs> this guy. Oh, no, he's great. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of his character. Um, he makes me think of the kid from um, Rocket Power. Do you ever watch Rocket Power? No, you didn't. That was a, that was a Nickelodeon show, wasn't it? I, I don't know. Yeah, there's a there's a character in Rocket Power whose name I don't remember, but he like wore a hockey mask all the time, and I do think it was basically just a, a Casey Jones reference, but that that tells you like what my age and like media exposure is. I'm more familiar with this guy whose name I don't even remember than Casey Jones, who is like an iconic character. I'm also familiar with the band Casey Jones, a straight edge hardcore band named after this Casey Jones. Yes. I didn't know that when he f- first showed up on the scene that he was going to be, like, a mainstay. Like, he's in all of the movies. Yeah. I thought he was just going to come, like, we were going to see him again later in the movie, but I didn't realize he was going to be, like, a main, even a love interest. I yeah. was like, he's fun. He's rogue. You know, he's doing his own thing. Yeah. Um, I just, I'm a big fan of, like, how the character design is, like, so simple. It's so basic, but it's very memorable. A hockey mask goes a long way. Well, he's got a whole sports theme, which yeah. is really lovely. Love that. And they're very... Love the consistency. Very flexible as weapons. Oh, man. Chris Evans played him in the uh, 2007 movie. 
Let's oh, go. Chris Evans had a journey. <laughs> I think it was all animated, though, so I guess it's not even real. Jesus. It's not even real. Like, it's not him playing it. I know that Stephen Amell played him in, like, the the newest live-action movie. Where you say Stephen Amell. Arrow. Oh, right. You know who would have been great for that role? Steve from Stranger Things. Agreed. There's still time. I don't know who voices him in the... In the new movie. So. I thought the new movie was live action. New movie's animated. Oh, so it doesn't count. No, it definitely counts. You just said... I'm the, just repeating the, the your... The computer-generated ones don't count because they look bad, but this one looks cool, so it what? counts to me. <laughs> <laughs> that's, my, that's my criteria. Okay, back to this film. Mm-hmm. Rafi, as I've been calling him in my notes, needs to stop with the solo projects. He needs his bros and... I was really getting worried. Every superhero ensemble has one of these guys, though. They just can't help themselves. Who is it in the main six? Uh, Iron Man? No. But he's like the one that's like... That they're always having to chase after. He's the one usually chasing everybody. Or Thor. Or Thor. Actually, it's probably Thor. I think it's Thor. Yeah. Just fuck off to God knows where and not tell anybody about it. Exactly. They're also, not as good of a cohesive unit, though, are they? Who? The Avengers. Oh no, the main six. <laughs> no, it's because they don't. They don't have. They're a, not brothers. They don't have a master splinter. You know, Nick Fury That's is not that. Nick, Nick Fury is not that guy. He is not well, doing his job. Phil died. Yeah, it was all downhill from there. But yeah, I I really I like how uh, the the film transitions from April O'Neil doing her news business and also like her boss just being like who I assume is probably only supposed to be like, I don't know, a 30 year old man, but just like what living in 1980s New York does to a guy. He's got like a 14 year old. With a shithead son. I, so I did have a question about their relationship because they're just like up in each other's homes. Like Charles he, and April? Yes. Yeah, There's a scene where she, like, I think stops by his house to talk about work. And I'm like, why are you at his home talking to his son while he's, like, getting ready for work? And then he does the same thing to her. He's like, I'm just going to stop by her apartment. Bring my son along while she's, like, getting ready to go come to work where I'm going to see her. I know that it's a movie, and that's, like, not what the movie's about, but it... It was odd. It is odd. I can't imagine, uh, you know, ever doing that with a, like, work boss. But uh, I guess they just needed them to talk to each other. And I guess they really needed April to, like, acknowledge Danny's presence and, like, do that exposition. But, yeah, it's it's weird. Also, Why can't they just be, like, take your child to work day? Have yeah. him show up at the news studio. Or he got suspended from school, so he has to be there. Yeah. I think there's a problem with most, like, super not realistic things in New York. Just treating New York like it's a small town. Like, you just stop by each other's homes. It's, like, it's right there. It's, like, no, New York City's a big city. You can't just pop over to people's homes. See, that's why, like, as goofy as it is to be, like, Daredevil is only in Hell's Kitchen. Like, you gotta narrow it down a little bit. Yeah. We know April O'Neil doesn't live in like Staten Island and Charles lives in like Queens or something. Like that's not yeah. Well, I'm I've never had a problem with Daredevil just staying in Hell's Kitchen. 
I, he's got his territory. I just, I do think it's funny when you like look at the size of Hell's Kitchen. Well, and it's yes. like <laughs> the, the crime in New York is entirely localized in like a five block. It to be like the Upper East Side yeah. or Greenwich Village, also a small area, but it's like it's clear cut. <laughs> But, like, Spider-Man makes sense. He, like, hangs out in Queens, and then he gets hired in Manhattan. Right. Plus, he can move around a little bit easier. Yes, indeed. Um, you make a good point, though. Sorry <laughs> I to just get assume into the minutiae This is all here. taking place in somewhere in Manhattan in a fairly small radius. I'm just assuming. Um, I just, I greatly enjoyed seeing, like, a little bit of the... Like you already mentioned, like the after school specialness of the politics and the chief of police being enraged that April O'Neil would dare report on the crime wave further and investigate him. And I'm like, well, this guy seems like an accurate representation of 80s. I thought he was going to be involved somehow. Yeah, right. Like a like a cover up. But no, he is just an asshole, I think. Um, yeah, I thought that was going to come back differently. We get Sam Rockwell, Baby Sammy. Is this one of his first films? I've been meaning to check that, actually. He's so little. Like, in such, like, a bit part. Like, he doesn't, his character doesn't even have a name. It's just, like, Head Thug. I know. Yeah, so how old would he have been when this came out? 22. Um... So I'm guessing this was pretty early. Let me see. Oh, my God. I feel like Wikipedia has really gotten worse for checking people's filmographies. This was... Let's see. He was, like, on TV shows. Uh, so he was doing, like... He was on the an episode of The Equalizer. You know, not the Denzel Washington Equalizer, of course. Uh, he did an ABC After School special, two episodes of Law and Order. preparing for this. Um, but the only movie that he did before this was a apparently controversial slasher movie uh, in which he played one of three young brothers who were stalked by escaped mental patients disguised as clowns who were trying to kill them. So Controversial. Sam Rockwell. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it's obviously one of his early works. He's such a little baby. He is a little baby. And it's very funny to see him there. Love him. I don't even know if I would have recognized him if we didn't see his name on IMDb, to be honest. I think I would have recognized him. Might have taken me a minute. Um, I was very impressed with... You haven't seen Charlie's uh, Angels as much as I have. No, you're right. That's probably it. (laughs) Um, I thought it was uh, fairly impressive with how well the turtle suits um, both, like, functioned... They were, like, functional because they needed to use them for fight scenes. And they also, like, held up well for, like, just, like, still shots. They emoted really well. They looked fit. With the eyes. Yeah, I mean, they were were buff turtles. And it was just, like, they don't look super janky. Like... It was something with, like, the pants going into the suit that looked really good. Mm -hmm. It looked very turtly, like, almost, like, leathery. But they weren't leather. No. Yeah, it was was really cool. They were very form-fitting, like, tight. And I think it was, um... I, I want to say one of the last, one of the last pieces that uh, Jim Henson worked with before he died, because it was Jim Henson's creature shop that designed the turtle costumes, which makes a lot of sense, because he was like 
the master of that domain. Um, he said that they were the most advanced things he had ever worked with. They, they made them out of fiberglass, then remolded them out of clay, and then produced his molds to cast the whole body in latex. Um, and they used animatronics to make the face masks expressive, so they had internal animatronic mouse eyes and eyebrows who were managed by a technician wow. using computers. And, yeah, they had, like, systems set up, which is, like, crazy to think about doing this in the 80s, like, running programs to, like, get the... Yeah, I didn't even, like, take emote. all that in. I was so busy looking at, like, the arms and legs yeah, and how I mean, that worked. It's just... It's and being so able to cool. do, like, flips and, like, have the weapons and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, like, the, yeah, the fact that they... They were, one, just able to make those suits as good as they were and then were able to use them for how they used them was awesome. Um, and I, I think that inherently makes it so much more impressive than, like, the later, like, computer-generated animation Turtles. Um, apparently, the editing was originally being done by Sally Menke, who was, like... Quentin Tarantino's main collaborator. She's like a famous editor. But they they took her off of it because the production company didn't like her work, which is kind of crazy. She's like one of the most famous editors of all time. Yeah. Not many editors that people know by name. So I heard her on a podcast. The production of this is pretty cool um, because they... Apparently, most of the production took place in North Carolina... Which, you know, that, that house is definitely just out in North Carolina somewhere still, probably. Um, but they did, like, do some location shoots in New York City, mostly to get landmarks in the background. And they created sets for a lot of things, like the, the Turtles' home. Yeah. And uh, apparently they, they were using, like, And, like, the like hideout, a, the, the Lost Boys hideout, mm-hmm. as they're, I called them. I mean, yes. They were using a studio backlot to create some of the sets, um, yeah, they reused the Howard with, the Duck ones. Yes, probably. And the there were manholes leading to the turtles' home that they wanted to create like an eight foot square room underneath those, but they found water at like the five foot mark, so they had to pour concrete in there to keep the water out. And then they uh, that can't be good overall. Put, probably not. That was probably a bad idea. <laughs> but uh, yeah, pretty cool. Um, I, I want to read more about the production of this, but I'll I'll save it. Um, Danny's a little shit and such a stereotype. Also, really leaning into the redhead bully. Uh, I know, right? Gra- uh, the trope. Trope, I guess. Of of the nineties. Oh, hold on! I just saw something that was really funny to me. Um, I noticed the like Domino's pizza boxes in this movie, and I was like. Yeah. Come on. Even even the teenage turtles would not eat Domino's in New York. But apparently uh the Sponsor. marketing campaign was um through Pizza Hut. <laughs> they had a twenty million dollar tie in marketing campaign with the movie. And I'm like, did they not <laughs> someone wasn't communicating. What? Then why did they have Domino's in the movie? <laughs> I don't know. Like I'm sure like IRL Pizza Hut was the one doing like the promotional menu items and stuff, and they probably had the commercials and all. But like, <laughs> I thought that for sure Domino's was a sponsor, and that's why it was like sponsored content or whatever. So strange. Also, I need to look into this. The UK version of the movie removed Eastern fighting weapons 
like the, the nunchucks. nunchucks. And they got rid of like the show off duel between Michelangelo and the Foot Clan. Um, they edited the Turtle Power song to change the word ninja to hero. What's going Were they on? like trying to be less racist? Because like that's fair. I mean, but I don't. The UK isn't like famously less racist. I don't. I don't know what I don't know. <laughs> That's so strange to me. My favorite scene, I think, was the antique store fight scene. Oh, that was great. That was probably the best action set piece out of the whole thing. And this was like right before that, leading up to it, we were getting the cutaways from Rafi getting like jumped. And then them just, like, hanging out and being like, are we sure we're not worried about Raphael? <laughs> he got, like, beat within an inch of his life. I was they like, said he almost, almost died. Turtle. They had to put him in the bathtub. Yeah. So sad. And sweet Leo just held a vigil for him. So sad. Just just some sweet boys. Yeah, I was just saying, like, the... I, my notes are all sporadic, but I had a, a line right before that that I really liked being, like, Someone talking about Casey Jones and saying, who the heck is that? Wayne Gretzky on steroids? <laughs> that was great. Very Not on very steroids. Tender. He's so scrawny. I know. He's so little. He's not big, which fits his character more, I think. Well, so the UK version, does that mean they didn't have the line, oh, a fellow chucker, eh? Probably not, which Chuck is off. a shame. That's That was great. Love that. That was a great man. Fantastic. If they got rid of that, then they really fucked up. Loved a good chuck off. <laughs> um, it was devastating when the antique store caught a blaze. And she got fired. And she got fired at the same time. Really yeah, bad like, day. God damn. Come really on, bad Chuck. day. Fuck you, man. Hope she's insured. Um, and then there, I mean, there were references in here that, like you said, we need someone like Sarah Marshall because, like, there were some that I was catching, but like, I don't really get like when they're at the house and April and Casey are arguing, and one of the turtles is like, "It's kind of like moonlighting." Like, the show Moonlighting with Bruce Willis. I'm like, I've never seen it. Like, I know it was a thing at the time, but, like, that's... It's lines like that that I'm like, these are for the adults. Like, no no kid, like, you know, seven-year-old back in the 80s was like, oh, man, that Moonlighting reference is fucking hilarious. <laughs> I also really liked April O'Neil um, narrating her writing, like, Sarah Jessica Parker in Sex and the City. Oh, that was befuddling. It happens, I don't know, three quarters of the way through the movie, we get introduced to a narrator voiceover diary entry. Like, dear diary, this is what's happening in my life. Can you believe it? I met a bunch of turtles and a rat. And then she doesn't even include Mikey in the rundown. No, pretty fucked up. I was upset. Yeah, I mean, fair. I'm still upset. I also, the... The bit where uh, Casey Jones was, like, really aggressively giving April O'Neil a back massage was weird. That was super weird. But I did think it was very funny when the turtles come in, just, like, shuffling in silently and then get the turtle wax off the shelf. Classic. Live for that shit. <laughs> I'm like, it, it was so easy. Um, the Force Ghost version of Splinter made me very sad. I don't like seeing the Ninja Turtles cry. Made me upset. Just saying. I mean, they got to connect with him. I know, but it was still, it was still, you know, it's a, heart, it a heartwarming moment. They all, they all came back. They came together, and I was, I was they needed a happy, happy tears, you know. And then they went for the final battle, and then they got the rest of the backstory. Yes, they needed it. They needed to understand 
Oroku Saki, a.k.a. Shredder. And I, I thought that was all... I just like the juxtaposition of his backstory that Splinter explains versus like his current activities. I'm like, how far the mighty have fallen. Also, what timeline are we working on? <laughs> Don't, it's been it's been six months. <laughs> also, do you know how old the Ninja Turtles are supposed to be? Like, There's, are they supposed to be like kids? They're supposed to be teenagers. Yeah, like teenage I'm, mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes, precisely. I, I envision them as being like sixteen. Because, um, well, I, I think Splinter even says they've been down there for 15 years. Okay. Well, I didn't know if they aged faster. Due to the radioactive material. Yeah, but yeah, I, I guess don't, not. I don't know. And turtles live a pretty long time. Some. I mean, yeah, some. Like 100 plus years. Goddamn. I don't know about rats. Well, I don't have too much more to say besides the fact that I enjoyed the final fight scene where everybody gets to take a swing at Shredder and then Splinter comes saves the day with a pretty badass quote, to be honest with you, which I honestly, I can't remember you the last half, but he's like, death comes for us all. Oh, yeah. And he's like, but what, what awaits you is worse because you will die without honor and then fucking throws him off a roof. Pretty fucking badass. Yeah. Come on, man. Don't fuck with Splinter. Don't fuck with rats. I already I, don't. I would now. I'm, now I'm 100% sure. <laughs> I would never. <laughs> um, also, like, we already mentioned it. It's going to be the opening clip, too. But, like, more movies should end with a very specific rap about the, <laughs> summarizing the plot of the movie. We didn't need to watch the movie. We just needed to listen to the rap. Uh, so shout out Partners in Crime for that song who popped off because of this uh, theme song and then never released an album. <laughs> They, they came to do what they needed to do and then disappeared into the night. Did they do any other movies? I think they did, like, another movie soundtrack song, like, years later. And that was that. Wow. Love that I hope for they're them. still around. Me too. I hope they, like, tour and they just do, like, this song on loop <laughs> 15 I mean, times. it could be, like, an hour-long song. We didn't even listen to the whole thing. We listened to a lot of it, though. We did. We heard a lot. We let the credits run for like, quite some time, so... Um, but yeah, this was, uh, I was pleasantly surprised. I was excited to watch this movie either way because it's like a total cultural touchstone that we had missed, but I thought it was going to be a lot worse, to be honest. With I you. didn't know there was a trilogy. I don't think the second and third are held in quite as high esteem, unfortunately. Uh, but I feel like I, I'm familiar with the name of the second one. It's The Secrets of the Ooze. Which I feel like I just, that's in my head for some reason. The third Oops. one, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I guess I, I definitely wasn't envisioning something as bad as Howard the Duck because it doesn't have that level of notoriety. But I thought this was a good time. And if you haven't, uh, you know, had the pleasure of watching it, check it out. It's, uh, I think it's on Max right now. I think they all are. Thank God. And um, it does make me excited to eventually watch the new one. Honestly, the whole... All the movies in between, I could take or leave. We might watch them for the show eventually. But the new one, I do really want to watch now. So Yeah. And, uh, yeah, let us know your thoughts on the, on the old TMNT. That's, it's a mouthful. It is, right? A little tongue twister for you. TMNT. I, I, have not, I got nothing. That's a wrap. <laughs> that's T-M-I-N-T. Can't work. All right. That's a wrap indeed. Leo out. <laughs> uh, Michelangelo out. Mikey. Mikey out.
Rafi out. <laughs> Donnie, peace be with you. <laughs> Until next time, we, we are, are out of the Superverse. Out of the superverse.